0: Tonight, brothers, turn with me to chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Now, how many of you guys out here are married? Let me see the hands of all you married folks out there. There's a lot of you that are and a lot of you that aren't. But yeah, you guys that aren't married, this will be instructions for when you do get married because this is definitely a passage of Scripture directed to wives and to husbands. And of course, it's interesting. A lot of people will ask, why, why share at a men's study, you know, what the wives' responsibilities are. Well, this is so us, guys, so we can encourage our wives so we know what they're supposed to be doing so we can help them. Not that we're going to go home and tell them, all right, all right, sit down now. Let me show what you what you're supposed to be. No, we encourage. We know what God's asking them to do. And so we help, we encourage. And of course, we set the example anyhow. And, you know, the problem that I see that in some Christian homes, even as Christians, instead of them being, houses of prayer. They're literally houses of horror to where the Christian home is no different than the, the home next door in the neighborhood, where there's shouting and there's screaming, and there's fighting and there's cussing and there's all kind of stuff that isn't supposed to happen in the marriages, in the homes. And tonight, of course, this is part three of A Precious Witness, commendable conduct in the home. And it's interesting, we see here, Peter in this passage, he's addressing the wives and the husbands. Again, the theme is what? Starts with an S, submission. Remember in chapter 2, we're to be submitting to the authorities, we're to be submitting to our bosses. Now, Peter directs the women, the wives, to be submissive to their husbands. And then in, chapter, in verse 7, we'll talk about the men are to be likewise submissive. In, in a way submissive to the wives as well, submitting to God in our treatment of, of our wives. So in this theme of submission, of course, it says wives likewise, in the same way, as spoken previously, wives were to submit to their husbands. Husbands likewise, in verse 7, in similar fashion, were to treat their wives in really a revolutionary new way. When we think about it here in the context of this being written there in the first century church. Because in that first century Greco-Roman culture at the time, man, wives were property. They were just stuff, people like, you know, like anything else. You got a good you got a good horse, you got a good donkey, you got a good goat, you got a good whatever, you got a good wife. And the wife was there, of course, to take care of the home, to bear the children. And they were basically um, just property, maintain the house and such, and they weren't treated as... Well, as men were, they were treated as really second-class citizens. And so when the wife would get saved in the home, there was all kinds of really problems with abuse, potential for abuse in the situation. The, the unsaved husband It's like, what do you mean you're a Christian? What do you mean you're doing this? And then, and then of course, as Christian women, how are they to respond to the unsaved husband as, as well as to the saved husband? So, of course, Peter, he's writing to the wives. He's telling them how to respond to the believing and the non-believing husband. And, of course, in their response, again, that word, it was commendable behavior when they would respond properly to especially the the non-believing husband. And, of course, there's a lot of that in the church. There's a lot of women who come to the church and the husbands don't come. The husbands aren't believers. And I think, actually, you know, when you look at the church, there are more women who come to church than there are men for that very reason. So really in this idea of this commendable behavior, the bottom line, when we look at it, not only to honor God, but also that their conduct would be such that the unbelieving husband would be drawn to Jesus by observing their conduct and saying, you know what, I want what you got. I want what you have. You have Jesus. I need that. So let's go ahead and read the whole passage, and we'll start off in point one with the, to the wives. But chapter 3, of course, verse 1, says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, of course, obviously not believers, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing a gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. I love that again, Peter, and this word precious. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid of any terror. Verse seven, though, here it is. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So here we go. Of course, the key in all this, guys, why we're going to look at this is so we can gain insight on how we can encourage our wives in their own Christian walk. But number one, commendable conduct in the home. Number one, wives are to be submissive, obviously, verses one and two. Now, of course, this idea, submission, we've talked about it, military expression, literally meaning to arrange and formation, almost like attention, and this idea of submitting. Um, really, <laughs> you think about it, it's not a popular passage in the world today, huh? Think about this passage of Scripture being read and the women of the world looking at this and thinking how archaic, how backwards, how ridiculous this passage of Scripture is. And yet when we see the incredible emphasis on the, the empowerment of women in society today, all through the media, all through the media, the movies, I mean, you know, how many leading men are in movies now? It's all the women taking charge. All the women are the the ones that are are kicking teeth and taking names. And the guys are like following their lead. Now, I got no problem with women leading such. But when we look at what God's word says, we obey what God's word says. This is truth. This has, has endured all generations. And no matter what our culture is teaching, no matter what our culture is teaching our kids and such, this is still the truth. And and our wives are to follow this as Christian believers. Why? Number one, because this is what God wants. It's His plan. It's His hierarchy, you guys. And of course, we see this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. You don't have to turn there. We know this passage where Paul is instructing really the, the, the church, and he's speaking to the wives and husbands. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. Why? Or how? As to the Lord. Now that's the key right there for the women. See, they're doing this unto the Lord. They're not submitting to us as husbands because we're husbands. They're doing it because God has asked them to. God has commanded them to. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband's in everything. Now, a little side note on this saying, in everything, because that can be taken to an extreme. Now, what are some instances or situations where we would not want women submitting to men in any situation, any circumstance? Well, number one, if a woman, and of course, people come in all the time, counseling and such, and you can talk to Pastor Pat. He gets all kinds of crazy stuff in his counseling. But when there's physical abuse in the home where the husband is whooping on the wives, we will tell that wife, you are to separate from that man. You you are not to subject yourself to that. You don't have to. God is not asking you to, okay? Not divorcing, but separating to get counsel, to get help. Because that's one reason. Also in this situation, if a husband is asking the wife to do something that is immoral, I'll give an extreme example. Honey, let's watch pornography together tonight. You know, it'll help us out. That's immoral. That's against God's word. Or if it's something that is blatantly against God's word. Hey, honey, let's go out and get drunk together. Okay? So there's instances where it says in everything, it's not everything as far as what we teach here at this church. Okay? But it is because this is what God wants. It's not because men are smarter, men are better, men are superior. It's God's plan, God's hierarchy. And this number two is because God is a God of order. There is an order in the universe. Everything in the universe exists because God has put it there perfectly in place. Amazingly, the sun's gonna come up tomorrow no matter what. I mean, it's just beautiful how God has put everything in order. And that's the same thing he wants for the church, for marriage and for the home. There is an order. So that's this order that we have. God over the church, the church over us in a sense, and of course the husband over the wives. And so this order, this structure is there because unless there is some type of order, what do we have? We have it on the streets today. We have what is called anarchy. And when there is no order, when there is no structure, everything is undone. Everything is upside And The problem, of course, is man is not in submission to God as a whole. And, of course, man is not in in submission to the authorities. No way. No one's telling me what to do. I'm not wearing no mask. I'm not doing this. I'm not what whatever. Women are not in submission to the husbands. And, of course, the children are not in submission to the parents. So, of course, what we have in the world today is we see. We see the result of that. We see this world upside down. Sin is always a result of things that are not in order and, and the anarchy that is there. And of course, the problem is, and of course, we have it in our own hearts. I mean, back when we're teaching chapter 2, verse 13 through 17, of course, the idea, okay, guys, you got to submit to the governor. You got to submit to the president. You got to submit to these in authority. I don't want to. It's not my governor. You've guys seen that t shirt out there, right? <laughs> of course, he might be your governor, but he's not my governor. But it doesn't matter. He still is the governor that God has put in place. Amen? Or the idea of submitting to your boss. And we talked about that two weeks ago. And of course, some of you out there, not a problem, man. You got the greatest boss in the world. I got the greatest boss in the world. No problem submitting to Pastor Jeff. Easy. But what if? What if you have the boss that you have? Of course, it's tough. It's hard. I don't want to submit to this guy. I want to punch him in the nose. That's what I want to do. But what does God say? Same thing here with the women. Man, we got to have this order here. And so why does Peter say they should submit, though? Ultimately, number three, because God wants the husband saved. Think about it. And think about this commendable conduct in all of us at the workplace, in the world, among the Gentiles, was for the same reason, that they would see your good works, they would see the light, they would see Jesus in you, and their hearts would be turned because ultimately in God's plan, he... Desires that none would perish, that all would come to salvation. Period. Okay, God wants husbands saved. They, the husbands, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. Think about that. Without a word, without nagging, without putting scriptures in your lunchbox. I mean, that kind of stuff. Without a word, again, has nothing to do with men being better, but Peter says that when they observe, when the conduct is seen, the wives should be such a great witness that even if their husbands are heathens, crazy men, the husbands will be drawn to the Lord by this conduct. And Peter says this chaste or pure conduct accompanied by fear. Again, he uses that word fear, that idea of being reverent before God. Not fear as in harm, fear as in respect and honor. And this really means it's a, it's a pure and reverent behavior speaking of someone who is governed by a desire to honor God. And we should have that heart as well. These women, this idea, this chaste and pure conduct. And that's the whole point of submission, guys. It's to honor God. All of us in who we submit to, we're honoring God in doing that. And that's the idea. And of course, it helps us. We, we remember that. We, we're strengthened in, in our ability to submit to authorities, to our bosses, because you know what? I'm not doing it to you. I'm doing it for him. And it helps me with that. So we see this precious witness. It's commendable conduct among the Gentiles. So, number one, the wives are to submit, but also commendable conduct at home. Number two, the wives are to focus on true beauty. Verse three and four. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Here again, that word, very precious. And here we actually, we have, we have two different perspectives here, you guys. We have really, he's talking about worldly beauty, that which is outward, and spiritual beauty, that which is inward. And, and if Peter's addressing the issue with women, of course, and nothing's new under the sun... The, the outward, focusing so much attention on this beauty, on this, this beauty that really is corruptible. It is fading away. And we see this emphasis in society today. It's crazy. I mean, the, the plastic surgeon today, I mean, they're the, they're the multimillionaires because that is happening so much more and more and more in the world. Get yourself fixed up. I mean, Joan Rivers, bless her heart, how much work that you have done? I mean, she looked like she was 25 and she's 95. I mean, it's crazy. But the the emphasis on looking younger, looking skinnier, looking better, looking prettier, it is huge. And of course, the cosmetic industry is almost as big as the pharmaceutical industry. It's crazy. But Peter says that believing wives were to turn from this, not focusing so much on the outward beauty, but on the inward spiritual beauty the incorruptible beauty the beauty that will last for eternity because it doesn't matter what you do sooner or later it's all going to drop it's all going to flop it's going to be down there we need to just again focus on that which isn't fading away that which will last and will take us into eternity especially for the women so application for us you guys in this context here is some of the problems i see is that the husband we as husband we're putting too much Pressure on the wives to focus on that outward beauty than the inward, and we need to encourage them. Number two, the wives to 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 be worldly to watch out for that. We encourage it. We got to be careful. Hey, watch your weight. Hey, what are you wearing that for? Anybody ever make that mistake? <laughs> That's not good words for your wife. Was there? What are you wearing that for? Why are you looking like that? Why don't you do this? You, Make sure you look good. And we're encouraging the worldliness, you guys. And honestly, a lot of times it comes from a prideful position. We want her to look good. We want that, especially the the older guys that marry the younger, trophy wives, you know, hanging on your arm, the eye candy and such. Man. All the while, though, in encouraging that, we're stumbling our brothers. And I know you guys all experience it as well, but I, I can't believe how some of the women dress coming to church. I'm amazed by it. And of course, some are doing it in ignorance. Don't get me wrong. They're just coming to church. And others, because they're actually trying to compete with the world in their dress and coming to church. We've got to be mindful of that. It's, they think it's because it's acceptable outside, it's acceptable here. We don't need that. And as husbands, though, guys, we need to encourage the inner beauty. We need to be the ones encouraging that, which really isn't hidden because we all know women who are beautiful spiritually, and it doesn't matter what they look like at all, what they're adorning. You can see the Spirit of God in them, and there's a glow, and there's a light, and there's a life, and there's a joy, and it's, it's, just, it's just beautiful. It's wonderful. So it's okay for them to look good, Right? You know, the expression, it's good to throw some paint on the barn, but it doesn't have to be a beauty contest. So that's what we need to encourage our wives with. And, of course, the spiritual beauty is the most important. So I need to give my wife the attention that she deserves so that she's not looking for attention elsewhere. All right, guys? So that's some of the stuff for us. And this way she'll feel secure in the relationship with you. So number two, wives are to focus on, of course, the true beauty. And number three, commendable conduct in the home. wives are to follow godly examples. Verse five and six. For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord whose daughters you are. Here it is, the example. You're a daughter of Sarah if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And what that means there is that These wives, in their holy conduct and their chaste behavior, had nothing to fear with their husbands because their behavior was such that it would be something that would impress them. It would be something that would would really make them shine in front of their husbands. So in this idea, though, we need to encourage our wives to have godly examples in their lives. Women that they would look to that would be examples that would lead them closer. Just like even in our own lives, we want to we be hanging out with guys that are doing what? That are building us up in Christ, not taking us down. And you need to evaluate in your own life that example as well. Are you hanging out with guys that are building you up? Or are you in a situation where you're hanging out with guys that you're constantly finding yourself stumbling and falling and, and being caught in things you shouldn't be caught in? If you're in those relationships, those are the ones you need to minister to and cut as far as fellowship and jump in with the group of guys that are drawing you closer to Jesus. But back to the women, okay, in this passage here, this scripture, this idea of Sarah obeying her husband, Abraham, even calling him Lord. Now, I would not advocate going home and telling your wife, hey, guess what? Pastor Rob said that we, we got this fact. No, 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 no. Maybe she can call you boss. No, just kidding. No, yeah. Hey, boss. No, no, no. But really, you think about this, this passage. People could read this and go, man, this is so oppressive. This is so misogynistic. It's crazy. You guys have this stuff. This is, oh, you need to pull it out of the Bible. No uh uh This flies in the face, of course, with the whole movement of the world today. And, of course, this empowerment, women empowerment movement, a lot of it stems from the problem of, we'll get to in verse 7, of the husbands treating their wives, but also men treating the women wrong. I mean, of course, Harvey Weinstein is, was the huge name in, in the media year, you know, like last year, year before that, with all the nonsense was going on. It is tragic to see. I mean, think about your own wife in the workplace and having her come home and telling you about how she's being treated by the men in the workplace. And what do you want to do? I mean, you want to get in the car, you go down, you're going to take care of business. That's what you feel like. And yet that's happening. And so the kickback that we see is because of that. And of course, worldly carnal men causing this behavior to happen in the first place, which is all sin. But of course, we're not bending to the culture. We're, not, we're going to continue to obey God's word and teach this because this is true and it's a beautiful thing in the sight of God, when a, woman, when a woman does submit in a godly way, a way that honors God and, and, and leading that, that, that quiet, peaceable life, not that we want our wives, like, don't talk woman kind of a thing. No, but it's just a sweet thing to see. So we see these, these wives, we want to encourage them. So for us, of course, as husbands, I am to promote godly relationships. Encourage my wife to hang out with, to get down to the women's study, to hang out with the women that are following Jesus. But also, I need to be mindful of the guys that I'm hanging out. Maybe you're getting together as a couple, whatever, and, and you're hanging with your brother, but you notice that his wife isn't so much the Christian woman that she needs to be. You need to be mindful of that. You don't, you don't want to be bringing your wife into a situation Well, you know, you want to hang out with your best friend, but, you know, his wife's a little worldly, a little carnal, but okay. No, 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 we don't want to do that. So be mindful of that as well, guys. But also, number three, I need to be strong enough to lovingly exhort my wife. If I see her becoming involved in relationships that aren't building her up, that are, that are maybe drawing her away from fellowship in the church, in a loving, gentle manner, encourage her. Again, as we, as we minister to our wives, so we encourage them. Now, verse 7, that's the wife stuff. We're all good with that, right? So you have some instruction, though. Verse 7, though. Isn't it an interesting? Peter takes... Six verses to talk to the wives, but only one verse for the guys. Why do you think that is? Because the Lord knows we have no patience to take six verses of stuff. Just give me one verse. Give it to me quick. All right, I got it. We can move on because I got no patience because I'd lose you after two verses. (laughs) I didn't say it. you said it. Verse 7, though, husbands, going back now all the way to chapter 2, Verse 11, when Peter said, Hey, I beg you guys, beloved, I beg you, he's saying it in again the same context, husbands likewise, in the same way, equally, similarly. This, of course, refers to the duty of submission. And this time it's to the believing husband who submits to God in order to serve his wife. Let me say that again who submits to God. In order to serve his wife. Verse seven, husbands likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, think about when this was written and the men of the world reading that verse. It's the same, really. The idea is that the women of the world today reading the verses in Verses one through six for the women. They're like, are you out of your mind? Who is this guy, Peter? Who is he to tell me to treat a woman this way? Doesn't he know how culture is around her? And yet it was revolutionary. And of course, Christ, when he came, he changed everything. Turned the world upside down. So number one, commendable conduct in the home. Husbands, we dwell with them. Likewise, dwell with them speaks to the this. this same attitude and respect the husbands are have towards the wives as she is to have towards him. And this idea of dwelling means to speak of companionship and intimacy. We're dwelling with our wives. It's just not, you know, a bed partner. It's just not someone in the house with you. And, of course, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are all great husbands out there. But it speaks of this idea that it's not two separate lives in one house. Because God, of course, commanded, as we know, the two shall become what? One. One, one flesh. So, number one, we let them be a part of our lives. And, of course, it goes without saying. But sometimes we get caught up in our careers. We get caught up in our own lives. We get caught up in the things we're doing. And it's almost like the wives are like, oh, yeah, hey, how you doing? Well, I'm going here to do this. I'm going to do this and do this. No, no, no. We include them. We open up our lives to them. We find things to do together, you guys. As much as that might drive you crazy. We do what she wants. Now, what a concept, huh? What a concept. I know a lot of you, that's no problem for you. Because you got to remember, it's not all about us. So we do the things that she wants to do. We go shopping. Anybody like to go shopping? Seriously? Ah! But you do it because you love them. The movies, vacations, whatever it is, it's all about dying to yourself. I can remember years ago, of course, the whole Disneyland thing, going with the kids. After a while, I said, you know what? I've had enough of Disneyland. I'm not going. I had a problem with the whole Disneyland money-making worldly scheme anyhow. So I quit going. And then as years went by and every my wife was still like, hey, what did you do? And you know what? Finally, it was like the Lord spoke to me. It's like, wait a minute. It's like the the two-by-four came out and God smacked me upside the head. It's like, wait a minute. Your wife wants to spend time with you. And yeah, she wants to go to Disneyland. So you're telling me because you have an attitude towards Disneyland, I mean, you could make that argument for everything in the world, basically, that you're not going to go spend time with her because of that? And it was so clear to me. It was like, what are you doing? And so back then, of course, when you could actually afford an annual pass, we bought the passes and we would go two, three times a month. And it, all it was, was walking around, holding hands, getting the hot chocolate if it was winter time, whatever, just enjoying each other's company, spending time with my wife. It was like, you know, the light bulb goes on, duh. You know, what a knucklehead. And so that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Now, when I turned 50, I made the mistake, actually it's been a blessing, but I made the mistake of going on my first cruise. And Dan over here is the cruiser as well. So we ended up going, I was turning 50. I wanted to get out of everywhere because I was like really depressed because I was getting old. (laughs) 50. 50 sounds pretty young right about now. But we decided to go on a cruise. Well, we went on a Disney cruise. Anybody been on a Disney cruise out there? Telling you what, 12 years later, guess what we're doing every single year. And it was one of those things that, I mean, me personally, my ideal vacation is Hawaii, Kanapali, plop down, piece of sand, and don't move for weeks. But my wife loves to go on cruises. So what do I do? I die to Hawaii, and I jump on a cruise ship with her and take her out. She has the time of her life. It is the most enjoyable thing. When I die, if I die before her, I know she's going to share and speak of the fact that I would do that with her. That's what we're talking about here, Guys. We're talking about dwelling with them, doing what she wants. And then number three, of course, to be their best friend, to be their best friend. And I wrote this down. Listen to me. Be a better friend to them than their sisters, than their girlfriends, and their coworkers, you guys. Now, that takes work. But be their best friend, you guys. Work on it. Listen. Listen to them and don't answer before they're finished that happens. We lose patience. And when I say listen, I mean listen to everything you're saying. How many of us are guilty out there of saying we're listening, but we don't hear a single thing you're saying? And my wife knows it when I'm not listening. You know why? Five minutes later, she'll ask me, hey, so what did I just say about so-and-so and so and so whatever, whatever? And she knows I'm, I'm busted. I mean, I wasn't listening at all. And I'm telling you, that discourages her more than anything. But not only do we listen, we talk to them. We be there for them. And of course, we all know that women can out-talk most men 10 to 1, right? But we still got to talk. We got to open up. We got to speak to them. We got to share with them. And also, we don't want her to have to look elsewhere for a best friend. You follow me on that one, brothers? So, we dwell with the, number two, though, commendable conduct for the husbands at home as we understand them. He says that we're to dwell with them with understanding or according to knowledge. This speaks of consideration and sensitivity to them as women. Now, you've all heard of the expression, men are from where? And women are from where? All right, obviously, you know the reason that book was written. That's a true statement. I mean, we are different. There ain't no two ways about it. She does not think the way I think. I don't think the way she thinks. And that's supposed to be that way. And of course, it's a complimenting thing that God has done. And it's a beautiful thing. But man, we understand that number one, we make them feel needed, you guys. And there's nothing worse than the feeling of not being needed. We make them feel needed. We we tell them that we need them. We tell them we can't make it without them. Now I truly know there's some of you guys here. You can't you can't put your shoes on without your wife. There's some guys out there cracks me up. Who the wives actually pack their bags like they're going somewhere. You know, to me that's so far. And I'm not bagging on anybody in particular, but I know that happens out there. But ask them to pray for you guys. Ask your wife. Will you pray for me? I got a situation. I got to go. I know that some of you. This is obvious. But for some others, your wife would be blessed if you actually later came up and said, hey, I got this situation. Will you please pray for me? You want me to pray for you? Man, we make them feel needed. Number two, we let them know they are loved, guys. Constantly reminding of your love for them, no matter what the situation is. And it can't be like that dumb saying that somebody came up with, you know, I told you I loved you when I married you. And if it changes, I'll let you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's horrible. That's dumb. That's just dumb. Man, tell your wife you love her every single day, every time you talk to her on her phone, anytime you get a chance. She needs that. But also, even the idea of being romantic, maybe a card, maybe flowers now and then. Surprise her. When was the last time you surprised your wife with something? Think about that. Out of the blue, you took her somewhere. You surprised her with a bit, you whatever, whatever. Think about it. I mean, man, because the idea, of course, is that we demonstrate this love. Because actions, of course, speak way louder than words. You can tell your wife you love her all the time, but if there's nothing to back it up, no demonstration of that, of course, we know even the example of Christ. The demonstration of God's love for us was that Christ came and died for us. So we let them know that they're loved. And then number three, we don't demand too much from them, guys. They're not men. They respond differently. They react differently. They think differently. Most women can't take the pressure that men can take. And I say that that's not completely true across the board. There's some women out there that can rock it. They can do I and mean, We've got some women here on staff that are amazing at the stuff they can accomplish they can do. But for the most part, they can't take the pressure. And you think about a situation that's going on in your life and you're involved in it with your wife and maybe it's a, a problem with a child. Well, you as a husband have the responsibility not only of ministering to the problem, but you've got to minister to your wife as well to lift her up and encourage her and help her. You can't be the one that's falling apart because she's falling apart. You've got to be the one that's strong and you've got to encourage her. So we can't demand too much from them. We've got to take the pressure off of them, guys. We've got to take the pressure off. We need to help them. Number four, though, also we need to be sensitive and ask God to open our eyes to what is going on in their hearts and their lives. Look into their eyes. Look into their hearts know their needs, you guys, so we dwell with them with understanding. Number three, though, we honor them. Commendable conduct in the home, we honor them. And of course, it speaks of cherishing them and this word honor is the same Greek word translated as precious in chapter 1, verse 19, and chapter 2, verse 7. And the husbands were to treat our wives as a precious gift from God, you guys a precious gift from God. And of course, this was radical. Peter in his teaching, his instruction back in this day. What? Treat your wife as precious? Man, I got goats and and horses and chickens I treat better than my wife. No, your wife as precious. And so number one, we treat them as precious with the utmost care as the physically weaker vessel. What does he say? Your husband likewise dwells in understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. They are weaker in that regard. Not spiritually weaker, not morally weaker, not mentally weaker, but they're weaker in the idea that they're commanded to submit just as we are weaker to our bosses and to the governing authorities because we're commanded to submit to them as well. That's the idea. So we treat them as precious, but also we respect them, guys. We don't take advantage of of their submission. And there are people, there are brothers out there that will take a passage of Scripture like this and beat their wives up over it, taking the Bible basically to task them with. No way. We don't take advantage. We, don't, we, we respect them in front of friends. We respect them in front of family and in front of our kids, especially in front of God, who sees everything that's going on in those houses of horror. that that are claiming to be Christian homes, and yet the husbands are treating their wives like dogs terribly, shamefully. And we especially don't make fun of them in front of other people. Anybody make that mistake? Thinking you're being cute, thinking you're being funny (laughs) until you get home and you get an earful about that? What are you talking about? I thought it was funny. (laughs) No, 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 you learn that real quick. So we respect them really now as being heirs together. I love this because in God's eyes, we are equal. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, Paul saying, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized in Christ have put on Christ, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus And if you're Christ, and you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And of course, that passage of Scripture, radical, radical, upside-down teaching in a culture where that was not true. Paul, of course, blowing everything out of the water as far as the racism, as far as the, the chauvinism and such. No, our wives, in God's eyes, we're all equal. Everyone is equal in Christ. So we respect them, but also, number three, we we put them first because in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, as husbands, how are we to love our wives? You didn't say it loud enough, right? As Christ loved the church, he taught the church, he ministered to the church, he loved the church, and he died for the church. And the same goes for us, you guys we put them first. We don't fit them into our schedules. Ever think about that? Well, hon, let me check my calendar. (laughs) Let's see if I got a spot for you. (laughs) No, no, no. we consider them when making plans. And there's nothing wrong. And it's right. It's respectful to ask your wife, hey, you okay with me going golfing on Friday or going here or doing whatever it is? It's a good thing to do. I mean, you wouldn't how many of you guys would be upset if, if you know, you're, you're all of a sudden you get home, your wife's not home? Well, where'd you go? Well, I, had, I went here, this, and this, and that. You didn't even tell me about it? You didn't even talk about it? Yeah. Or she went out and bought a brand-new car without talking about that? How many of you guys have gone out and bought a brand-new car without even telling her? You pull up. What's that? It's my new ride. What's the problem? No, no, no. Put them first. We consider them when making plans. We teach, we minister, we love, and it's all demonstrated by us dying to ourselves. So number 4 though, what happens when we obey these instructions? And here guys is another one of those key verses for us. What does Paul, I mean Peter say here? As being heirs together of the grace of life, say it with me, that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's say that one more time that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. So what is Peter saying here? Huh? See, when we obey these instructions, this is the reward that God promises to loving and caring husbands, that our prayers aren't going to be hindered, meaning that God is going to hear your prayers. But if I don't obey this, if I'm treating my wife in a way that's not honoring, respectful, as a weaker vessel, dwelling with them, loving them, being kind to them, as really daughters of God who are on loan to us that belong to him that God has seen fit to allow you to be the husband of, because ultimately he's the husband. Man, God may not answer your prayers. Your fellowship with God could be compromised, could be cut off, the very things that you need help to, to make it with could be falling on deaf ears. Anybody want that happen in their lives? No, no, no. I need every bit of God's help I can get. So if this is a way to help that out, guess what? I'm going to do a better job. I'm going to look at a verse like this and go, man, how can I be a better husband to my wife? How can I dwell with her more according to knowledge? And in conclusion, guys, let's turn to Malachi chapter 2. Last book of the Old Testament. Now, in this passage of Scripture here, we're going to close with this. It just speaks to the fact that God takes the way we treat our wives very seriously. And and Malachi is preaching to the priest. This is the priest of the church of the time who were taking wives, pagan wives, for one thing, But then also they were taking wives and they were divorcing their wives. They were treating them wrong. Treacherously is the word that Malachi uses. And this passage, guys, this is pretty serious stuff here. Chapter 2, verse 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, speaking of the fact that the wives that they would treat treacherously that they would divorce, would go to the altar crying and weeping because their husbands were treating them so bad. So he, God, does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Verse 14, what's up, God? Why are you doing that? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. What a word, huh? Man, imagine if your wife came to you and said, you have dealt with me treacherously. Horrible. Man, you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Verse 15, but did not, but did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence. Brothers, God takes it very seriously how we treat our wives. They belong to him, like I said, on loan to us, thank God. Thank God for the wives that he's given us. You brothers that are still single, praying for that wife to come, learning from the mistakes of your brothers who have been married for a number of years. I think, how many have been married more than 40 years out there? I see that hand, Randy. I'll be 40 in July. Amazingly hard to believe. And yet, it's been a lot of mistakes made. A lot of mistakes. You guys that aren't married, come and talk to us older guys. We'll give you some insight. We'll give you some counsel. Help you avoid some of the black guys. I mean the hard hard times. (laughs) Man, we treat them, guys, as precious. Not to neglect them. So some application. These are just some questions to ponder that I I put down that are up on the board, that will come up on the board here. Number one, does my behavior toward my wife condone or discourage submission? Number two, does my behavior direct her and point her to Jesus, or does it push her away? Am I influencing her behavior in that way? Number three, does my behavior cause her to question my salvation? I hope your wives have never said to you, I don't even think you're saved. That'd be a bad day, brothers. be a bad day. <laughs> number four, though, here. A lot of talk being directed towards the wise and their behavior. Let me ask you this. Could your behavior win your unbelieving wife to the Lord? Could it? Think about it. And number five, does my carnal heart take advantage of a Christ-honoring, submissive wife? Because if I want my wife to be submissive to me, I must treat her and love her in such a way that she would want to act in no other way. And really when Paul talks about the instructions, the simple instructions for a marriage, it is simple. You love your wives as Christ loved the church. Man, that's an amazing challenge for us. And then when we love that way, our wives who are supposed to be submissive, they would want to be that way, as unto the Lord. And so, guys, if if there's problems in your home, there's problems in your marriage, tonight is the night to confess those things, to ask God to forgive you of those things, and to let revival break out in your own home. Where you go home, even as a Christian man, there's been this change. There's been this 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. That old man, that old Christian man that, that isn't honoring God in the way he treats his wife. Only God knows. And yet I understand what Scripture is saying here. I, I need my prayers to be answered. And so I'm telling you what, and, and is it easy? Is it easy with marriage? No way. Our wives aren't perfect, and yet I'm not to look at my wife. I'm to look to Jesus, and I'm to pray for my wife and let the Holy Spirit do that work in her heart and her life, setting an example in my own life, not responding in the way that she is coming at me. No. Submitting to Christ in that. There's so much work that's to be done in a marriage, and yet when, when a husband and wife are both submitting to God. And, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 said, says, submitting one to another in the fear of the Lord. When we are both submitting, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And I, I know marriages that are out there. I see your marriages and I'm blessed by what I see. And it so encourages me. So guys, I know you're doing a great job. Others where there may be some struggles. Hey, you know what? I would encourage you guys even in, when we get back to this, if there is, if there is a challenge there to get into the, the couple's ministry with Pastor Pat and Mary, there's some great instruction there to encourage you, to, to show you, to speak to you, to minister you, to, to kind of give you some tools to make it a better thing. But obviously, look at verse seven. And you know, Lord, that's me. I'm going to be doing that. So God can, can help. He can strengthen. He can bless as well. Amen. Let's all stand, guys. Let's pray. And let's go out thanking the Lord for our wives. Amen? Amen. Father, again, we praise you for your word. We praise you for the instruction. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us as husbands uh, to be better husbands, to encourage our wives in their own walks and how they are to respond to us according to Scripture. And Lord, I pray for the single brothers that are here. God, you you would encourage them. And I know many have been praying for a long time. Lord, I pray you would reward them. You would bless them. You would bring that godly woman that you have seen to their lives, Lord, and they would be the best husbands any wife could ever have. And so again, Lord, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for these brothers. I pray you bless them this Christmas season. I pray you keep them all healthy and safe. And to God, again, as we um, await for your further instructions for when we get back together with all this Uh, We thank you, Lord, that we know you're in charge and you're on the throne. So bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.